when I started it, you know, I had like 2,000 cases and I was doing it all. No matter how long you've been in the game, keep looking for that blue ocean. Once you find that untapped market, go full steam ahead. You have to change and adapt with the times. You're listening to Personal Injury Mastermind, where we give you the tools you need to take your personal injury practice to the next level. With over 400 years of combined legal experience and over $2 billion in compensation, Kentucky-based Isaacs and Isaacs has been expertly steered by the legendary Daryl the Hammer Isaacs for nearly 30 years. You may recognize him from the iconic Hammer commercials, Super Bowl ads, radio spots, and now TikToks. Today, we tap into the mind of this marketing genius who reminds us to step out of our comfort zones and give the audience what they want. We discuss the perseverance necessary to play the long game, adjusting your targets, and forward momentum. I'm your host, Chris Dreyer, founder and CEO of Rankings.io. We help elite personal injury attorneys dominate first page rankings with search engine optimization. Being at the forefront of marketing is all about understanding people. So let's get to know our guest. Here's Daryl the Hammer Isaacs, owner of Isaacs and Isaacs on the path he took to opening his firm. I flunked the bar twice and my father was semi-retired. And during law school, I was on probation, got off, and I decided I want to be this trial lawyer and I want to have this monster practice. So I went to the courthouse for a week and I looked at every attorney that was in the court the most. And there was an attorney named Dave Kaplan. He looked like, if you ever saw Laurel and Hardy, he looked like the big, the gentleman, I can't remember which is which, but he had a black toupee, mustache, probably about 275 pounds, but he was a phenomenal criminal defense attorney. Now, I didn't want to do criminal law, but but I got to sit through, I worked for him for minimum wage during law school. And I, he let me sit through 22 jury trials, second chair. And I started marketing for him. He didn't want to do personal injury. And I said, man, there's a lot of money. So during law school, I came up with this marketing plan and I got him 300 cases and I got to work them. And then when I came out and flunked the bar twice, I did not want to do criminal law, but I went to my father and he was semi-retired. I'll never forget his expression and face. And I said, Hey, I want to open a practice. I'm going to, I want you to come in and you can have half and I'm going to build this big empire. And he just kind of laughed at me because you got to understand I had three brothers and they all were straight A students. They were all engineers, lawyers, CPAs. And I was definitely the black sheep of the family. So he smiled and laughed and said, sure. And then I opened the, you know, one, one of 93. And um, I mean, I think within a year, we were all millionaires from all the cases and marketing. And um, I mean, my father was already wealthy and semi-retired, but I just, I remember to this day and this is going to be our 30 year anniversary coming up, but, and we have done over $2 billion and it all started with, you know, let me, let me have half his name because I didn't think a sole practitioner would get the credibility. And uh, I just remember him, his little laugh. And uh, just that day was kind of a special moment. That's amazing. And hustling to get 300 cases. I mean, nowadays it's like a bloodbath just to get, you know, to get 300. So in those early days where you meeting people for breakfast, lunch, shaking hands, you know, how did you hustle to get those cases in the early days? At that time, the police reports were public and I just got this idea we could, you know, write to accident victims because I I just wanted to do car wreck cases and I, I wanted to target so we came up with a letter and the Kentucky Bar Association 
even then they regulated it, but we could send letters out. You know, they got all these crazy rules and just drafted this letter and then got it approved by the bar uh, advertising committee. And I think everybody was in shock that it worked. I wasn't because I always put myself in the customer's position. If I need services and I need to hire somebody, what am I looking for? And so that was easy for me. You know, sales has always been my forte. I mean, as early as six, I was selling donuts door to door and different things. So over the years, I really learned how to deal with people and marketing. But it, I mean, it was exciting because I loved helping people. And and I love the fact he didn't care. He just let me run with it. And in the beginning, I wasn't very good. I think I settled my first case for him for five grand. And But by the time I had uh, graduated law school, I'd made him millions. And then I just knew I wanted to do it for myself. Yeah, of course. And, you know, so we had James Farron on in North Carolina. You know, they have they do a lot of heavy print. So in, yeah. in Kentucky, do you are you allowed to do print in the same manner? They put some restrictions on that. Well, it's funny. James is in one of my mastermind groups and um, I'm familiar. I've, I've studied his stuff and I've been up and visited him. North Carolina is different. Kentucky, you have to wait 30 days, which, as mm-hmm. you can imagine, by the time 30 days is up, 99% of people either have a lawyer or the insurance has already got it resolved or whatever. So there's restrictions. Um, we don't do that now. I don't think it's very effective, but James proves me wrong in North Carolina. He's done very great business with it. We got to have this story. The audience wants to know, right? Your name is omnipresent in Kentucky as the hammer, right? right? Even growing up myself in Illinois, your brand's had an impact on me. I've seen your Super Bowl commercials. I've seen your billboards. So let's start there. Where did the hammer name come from? Can you tell us that story? I was with an agency and I was called by the heavy hitter. And then I left them and they I didn't want to get in a lawsuit. It wasn't worth it. So I thought, you know, it really doesn't matter what name I go by as long as I'm sincere. I'm selling myself. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. But one day I was sitting here and I don't know it. And, and I'm looking in the sky and idea came and I thought, I'll go buy the Kentucky hammer because you got Colonel Sanders was Kentucky fried chicken. And I thought I'd take the state name. And the first commercial I did was like a lightning bolt coming out of the sky and it's the Kentucky hammer. But then over the years, everybody just shortened it to hammer. So that's kind of how it was born and it stuck. Daryl's Hammer commercials are unique and play off pop culture heavy hitters like Mission Impossible and Game of Thrones. I wanted to know what goes into creating commercials that convert. So I've always been the opinion when I want to people to hire me, what do they want to hear? They don't want to hear me badmouth my competition. And I don't want to be a politician where you don't tell me what everyone's not doing. Tell me what you're going to do for me. So when I, when I was advertising, I've always wanted to be direct marketing and not, I mean, now do branding, but in the beginning, I wanted some, you know, immediate response. I wanted to get shock value. Like I did some commercials early on where a desk comes flying it down or drops out of the sky. And there, we call it a car drop where a car drops out of the sky. So the advertiser I was with years ago, Richard Sackett, he, he's still around, phenomenal guy, knows everything. But advertisement, he's in his 70s, but he got all the big firms started, myself, Morris Bart, I mean, Ken Nugent, you could go on and on and on, Brian Longcar, who's since passed. But he got me doing a couple of Super Bowl ads, and one of them, we did this theme where we were known all over the world, and, you know, it was kind of like a, 
uh, people in China had heard our name. And so, but then when I moved on to the next agency, they came up with some ideas. Let's do trending. And like, I'll be honest, I never watched Game of Thrones when they wanted to do it. I've shot it, didn't understand what it was. And since then, I've loved the show. But I realized, you know, we're not movie actors. We're not movie production. But people want to be entertained. And I didn't do the Super Bowl. It doesn't get me business, but it made me well known. Now, I had no idea it'd go viral. I mean, one of them got 14 million views. But I just, that's where I now I realize if you want to be known, you, you got to do something that makes you stand out. And that's pretty much what we did. But none of these ideas were mine on the Super Bowl. The, the company, they had some very talented people and they literally would think of these things. They'd come to me and I would either say yay or nay. But the Mission Impossible one, I wasn't wild about that. But I love the Game of Thrones and I love the dragon. I don't know. Everybody laughs at me, but I thought yeah. that was so cool making, doing. And uh, that was a big hit. Yeah, and you had the, the Marvel one, the Marvel when Marvel's real. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. so I like the trending play. The thing I'll tell you, this from my perspective as a consumer is like when I see a, a legal advertisement, a lot of times I kind of tune it out. I'm on my phone. Right. But if there's entertainment, I'm going to watch it all. And I think that's one of the the benefits of the Super Bowl commercials. A lot of, you know, individuals will tune it to go watch the Super Bowl just to watch the commercials. Right, right. And it's funny because the company that does my commercials, they get this concept, but I never wanted to be, if you look at all the attorneys that advertise, 99% of them stand in front of law books. Okay. I just think the public knows we go to law school. We got to know the law. We got to read the book. So that's not doing anything. And I see a lot of ads and I cringe. So now I don't want to be the opposite cringe where, oh my gosh, you're doing some crazy stuff, but I always decided I want to poke fun at myself. I never want to poke fun at others. You know, I don't mind humor against myself. I try to be humble. So the ads are that I want them to show my personality. But at the same time, I want to entertain the public if that's what they want. Yeah, I think the self-deprecating type stuff, it makes makes you like relate, like because everyone has flaws and everyone wants to be heard and seen. And I, I think it makes individuals trust you more, too. And right. a lot of people have this either or mentality. And it seems like you're advertising, you're doing TikTok, you're doing social, you're doing a lot, you know, so where does traditional sit in terms of advertising now? The traditional advertising worked for years. The problem is and I'll never forget in 1972, I interviewed my grandmother for a school project. I was eight years old. I wish I saved the interview because she was an amazing lady, but I never, she said something that I never forget. And I, I, I think about it all the time. You have to change and adapt with the times. And I'm not a big fan of social media, so I'm not wild about it, but it, it is a necessary evil. The whole world, I mean, I can't tell you statistics, but I can say three years ago, I'm spending 90% of my budget on TV. Today, I'm spending 30%. Every day, we're spending more and more on social media and even like TikTok. I did that as an experiment because attorneys are not like, you know, we're not celebrities. We're not coaches, you know, like uh, I'm a UK fan and John Calpari has a million five followers and some of the social media. And I thought that's just astronomical, but attorneys are boring people for the most part. So getting on TikTok, I feel like it was a challenge. Now it's worked for me, but not the way I envisioned it because I do a law commercial or a law thing. And I think, wow, it's great. And I get 5,000 views. 
I tell people what I had for lunch and I get 400,000 views. Who cares what I have for lunch? I want them to look at me for the law, but I've given up trying to make them do what I want. I've got to accept it. So yesterday I shot a video of what I had for breakfast and I think, you know, I had 10,000 views last night. So if that's what the public wants, I'll give it to them. I'm not crazy about it, but so the traditional, for the most part, I'm not saying it's thrown out the window because I still, I consider traditional billboard, TV, used to be phone books. I, remember, I know you remember them. Yep. They're out. I mean, at one point in Indiana, I had 40 back covers and now that's a dinosaur. I, I think you could get one as a collector's item in one of those <laughs> Cracker Barrel restaurants or something. <laughs> you know, w- one thing that I applaud you is, you know, like TikTok's new and, and I would say the legal verticals slower to adapt to new channels. And, you know, the game of social media is you get all this organic content and then, then your organic reach starts to slow down and then they make it pay to play. So, you know, yeah. you're doing the organic, you're in early getting this, you know, I heard Gary Vaynerchuk the other day say, you know, if I'm going to tell any business, I'd tell them to make five TikToks a day right now. <laughs> I heard him speaking at somewhere. And uh, I think, gosh, he's a huge guy. I mean, he gets, but I think someone paid him a hundred grand to speak. But the one thing I took away from it was give them what they want. It may not be what you agree with. What's funny is, so, and I tell everybody this because I didn't know this and I, I, I learn every day. So Instagram and YouTube shorts don't want TikTok to be TikTok. So they want to be as successful. So they're opening up their algorithms to reels. So now I was on YouTube on the other because all my Super Bowl ads and everything. But I started a whole new thing on YouTube shorts because I'm starting over. I mean, I think at 11,000 a woman, I'm starting, I had 22 describers but every day we're releasing three videos because they all want to be like TikTok. And I think that's the next thing. So, and it's funny right now, there's about 55 to 58 law firms in my four groups. No one else, but one Jennifer, the one you interviewed, she was on TikTok. She kept saying, Jerry, you got to do it. You got to do it. And I kept telling all the older tier, like, I don't, I don't know if you had Mike Morris. He's a good friend of mine. I don't, I don't, it won't get you business. It won't get you business. So I started doing it. And now one by one, Gordon McKernan's doing it. Mike's doing it. They're all copying me because I keep giving them a hard way to go. I'm telling you, man, you're going to be behind. You're going to be behind. But I'm always determined to be out in front to show them it can be done. I think that's the way to do it because it's the more people that get on the platform, the harder it's going to be to stand out, right? And you're getting all these views right now. And and like I said, it's going to be pay to play in the future. Back in the day when Facebook started, you'd post a post and it would hit that organic feed. But now you, you... maybe only 5% of your your followers sees it. You got to boost it with paid ads. So we had uh, Mark Anajar on from Anajar Levine. And, and he mentioned like, here's the holy trinity of advertising. He said, TV, radio, and digital. So today, what do you think? Where should attorneys, and, and I'm going to take this twofold. One, new firm starting, and maybe a firm that has more capital and can really push into the market. I think personally, you go where the blue ocean. And what I mean by that is you go where no one else is, you know, for years, Morgan, John Morgan, and he's brilliant. He's done radio and no one else wanted to do radio. And I, for 20 years, I fought radio. Well, about four months ago, I decided to try it. There's very few attorneys doing radio and we're killing it. And it's a blue ocean. The cool thing for you mentioned for people starting out, and I try to counsel a lot of these, you're okay if you've never advertised because you know, yeah, how do you compete with the big firms that have the TV? Like I just spoke about how to compete with the 800-pound gorilla. But the internet, you can do this so cheap. 
you can get a videographer and they could follow you around and do videos and then you can you can get it transported to content and you can do these 30 second 60 second ads you post them on social media pretty much for free and when i think of digital i think of like pay-per-click and organic but if you start out today and you don't have much of an advertising budget you can take your cell phone there's there's one attorney, I can't think of his name, but I saw him on TikTok. He's already got, he went from 5,000 to like 250,000 followers, came up with a little tagline and he drives in a car. Well, I don't drive. You need to do it stationary because TikTok, they have a lot of rules. It's funny, but he's built up a brand. And then you go live about two or three times a week. And like I say, I've watched his practice grow. So there's, there is something out there for everybody. But, and if you look at a firm that's got a big budget, I think you got to be everywhere in space. I think you got to be TV, radio, pay-per-click. The world's getting more competitive, but the good thing about it is the internet is like having a 24-hour salesperson. You know, phone books used to, we were on so many back covers and they used to say, while you're sleeping, people are looking at your ads. The internet's the same way. People are always searching the internet. So I just think today's times, you have to be on the digital and the social media. The thing that I like about this is, is the consumers are more educated, right? So you get to kind of jump forward and, and increase that velocity, right? They're ready to go. They're ready to hire you instead of trying to nurture them to make that decision. And I kind of want to shift over to this. You've built Isaacs and Isaacs, you know, from the ground up scaling a firm, you know, it's not for the faint of heart. And there are so many attorneys out there grinding to grow. And you've been at this year after year. You know, was there a time when you're growing your firm that seemed really challenging and it took a lot of perseverance to overcome it? Or was it, hey, these are just, this is day in, day out. I, I've got challenges all the time. And it's just the name of the game. Well, sure. There's always challenges. My issue is kind of the opposite. I've always had the business, but, you know, anybody can make the phone ring, but what do you do after it rings? And so my challenge is, how do you grow? Because when I started it, my father was semi-retired and um, I, had, I didn't have attorney for the first four years. And, you know, I had like 2000 cases and I was doing it all. So. Yes, I've had challenges. 2008 sticks out because that's when the real estate tanked. COVID was far none the biggest challenge for me. It's funny. I tried this idea. This is another reason our mastermind groups are so great. I made a seven-figure mistake. I tried a 90-bus campaign, signed the contract. They got ready to go, rolled out two weeks before COVID hits. And so COVID hits and 90 buses are sitting idle for three months and you're still paying for it. That was a challenge, but you know, it's like anything else. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. You just have to persevere. And, you know, again, the thing I think, you know, for me, being an attorney is the greatest profession in the world. Now, I'm not saying doctors and everything isn't. I just love, you know, if I had to choose again, I'd do the same thing. I love working for myself. I love helping people. So it's like I can help people. We can make good money. And at the same time, you know, provide a service. And I feel good because... You know, again, we help people sometimes that can't help themselves and many get taken advantage by the insurance companies. And so, you know, it's like anything else. There are so many businesses that failed during COVID and it broke my heart because some were my friends. So I think there's always going to be challenging times. You know, when I look at over 30 years, you know, we've weathered, doesn't matter if it's a Democrat or Republican as president. You know, I remember when I first came out and bought my first piece of property, the real estate was six and a half percent. Well, now people got so spoiled year ago at two and a half percent, people are complaining 5%. I'm thinking, heck, 
30 years ago, it was a good deal because in the 80s, when Carter was here, the interest rate was 21%, you know, so it, you just have to weather the times and, um, you know, hopefully you, you, you know, we've done a lot of strategic planning. We still do. We, you know, we, we do what's called traction and, you know, we got management and we meet and we, you know, once a week we're, we're sitting there looking at all these, what's our, you know, what's our one month goal, what's our three month goal, what's our one year goal, because you have to anticipate some tough times and you got to be prepared for it. Let's talk about that. So I was going to, you know, the business operating system, EOS traction. So you have an integrator. What does that one, three, five year, or is it one, three, 10 year goal setting look like? You know, I'm a, I'm a DI personality on that this personality assessment. So when I went to do traction and I have a chairman that's helping us, I could only do one, three and five. It was like 10 years was way too far out. So how does goal planning, you know, how do you approach that? How do you approach setting a vision to get your whole business aligned with you. I never dreamed I'd be in the position I'm in. So I didn't know what traction was three years ago. And then one of our master meetings, one of the attorneys from LA laid out this plan and we were just in shock. So fortunately for me, my oldest brother, Mark is a retired CPA. And um, it's funny, came back. I Mike Morris, I didn't know him at the time. And I heard about this fireproof. So I read the book called my brother and said, you got to read the book. He puts these forms in. So Mark started doing it. We were going to do traction and we hired this consultant and COVID hit. He wanted to do it by Zoom and it was so ineffective. So I just like the hell with this. And my brother, I kind of went to him and said, you want to be unretired? And all, you know, so all he does is he runs our traction. He, he does all these spreadsheets and he helps our projections. So I, you know, every day I know what my cost per case is, what my sales are, what they're going to be a year from now. So it's, he's the one that sits down and said, okay, where do we want to be five years, 10 years? And, you know, for everybody, it's different. Uh, you know, a lot of lawyers, are, you know, I'm 58. So we're all looking at, okay, what's our succession plan? You know, I'm hoping one, I got three kids. I'm hoping one of them goes to law school. So, you know, you, you just have to, but then you got to prepare. What if they don't like say my father and I started this and he's gone. I'd love my business to survive when I'm gone. So I just think, you know, that thing, if those who fail to plan, plan to fail. So I just think you got to have a plan and you got to have goals. And, you know, the cool thing is you may not hit it. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, if you say, hey, I'm going to I want to sign up 2000 cases this year and you get eighteen hundred. Are you really disappointed? You know, right. So goals are great to shoot for and to work for. But it's not the end of the world if you don't hit it. And the other thing is, I mean, I know many law firms that are in our groups and they all want to be like everyone else. And I keep saying, just be the best version of you. You can be because, you know, the, the great thing about what we do is, you know, like, like right now, I want to work this week out of Florida. So I work out of Florida, you know, I'm still working, but I get to control and dictate things. And then you get everybody to believe in your vision and you got to have a, you don't have to use the EOS traction method, but you've got to do some form of you know, there's so many different versions out there. What I liked about the one we looked at is it's a Salesforce platform because what we are without sales, we don't have customers. So I want everything driven around sales and marketing. Everyone talks about lead gen and getting leads, but you know, there's what do you do for intake? You know, when you're getting 2000 cases, I've always seen our clients, the most successful do it in-house. They, they build their intake team. So what's some general advice on the sales side? Well, I can tell you what we do. It works for us. I don't like attorney screening calls because I think they're worried if it's not going to be a certain value, they're not going to take it. 
What we came up with is, well, we have a team of eight people and all they do, we train them. I'm always having them train in marketing, but I want them to know everything about our firm because for us, probably two thirds of all calls already want us. So we just got to screw up and not run them off. You know, it's like the, I used to think McDonald's and all that, they can get bad service and people are still going to go there. But if for us, I want every client to get the best experience possible. So we have these people, we listen to some calls, we train them, we test them. I know some law firms use some companies out of the country and call centers. I just don't think it's personalized enough, but um, for us, I want to get the best. I, I mean, some of my intake people have been with me 12 years, eight years, 10 years. I think the average intake of all the firms I've ever dealt with is a year. So I feel like what we do is good. Now, sure, we make mistakes. There's always room for improvement. But I think whoever you decide is going to be your rep, if you're smaller, you just have to train them. And you don't want them in a hurry to get off the phone. Because think about it. If you ran out and saw me somewhere and you knew I was a lawyer and I said, hey, I got this potential case. Am I going to give you 30 seconds? Say, nope, I can't help you and move on. I'm going to talk with you and I'm going to interact. And over the years, we've learned. We used to try to get them on and off. And that was a mistake because the intake should have the attitude. You want that client. You want to be their lawyer for life. So if you can't help them today, you want them to call you tomorrow. And the best way to do that is get them trained. Make sure they know everything about you. I didn't realize this a couple of years ago. People didn't know when I graduated law school and this and that. And I thought, well, gosh, how can I have them sell me if they don't know me? So the biggest thing I would tell people, whether you have one person or 10 or whatever, make sure they know everything about the firm. Like our firm has over 400 years of combined legal experience. We've done $2 billion. Well, I think that's a positive. I want people to know that. And we've got a $10 million verdict. I mean, we, we, there's a lot of good things about our firm. So I want the intake or I call them, um, I don't like the word intake because intake, you're just taking information you know, how can we make the customer happy today? Bottom line is you want to train whoever's answering your calls. And the other thing I would tell people with technology, sign them up right then and there. We still have, and they can come in the office, we can send an investigator, but we want them to know we want that case. We docu-sign right then and there. I mean, that way we're, we're working on your case right now because a lot of attorneys don't do that. And oh my gosh, during COVID, we couldn't have in-person meetings and we still signed up a ton of business because we did it through DocuSign. Yeah, and that's, that's really smart. And have those personalized conversations and, and be a human because, you know, when you spend all this money on advertising, you know, the name of the game that most people underestimate is then the future referrals and the word of mouth from that experience. Exactly. Your biggest cases will come from your word of mouth referrals. I mean, you know, we get some, but I mean, I bet if I tracked all remained our cases, probably 78% are coming from the referrals. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. I read this book a, a while back. It was called Ready, Fire, Aim. And it made me think of you. And I wanted to ask this. He has this quote in the book that says something like, businesses that have a disproportionate number of marketing and sales employees have a greater chance to succeed. You know, what's your thoughts on investing in marketing? I see, you know, I talked to this this individual in Australia recently, he's like, well, we invest 5% in my marketing sales. I'm like, whoa, 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 that's not enough in, in the US. You know, I've heard anywhere from 20 to 30%. What's kind of your approach on the investment side? Some years I do 40%. I don't think you can invest enough because think of it, everything you invest in, you've got an inventory of cases. They're all future dollars. I mean, water this down. 
So let's say I'm getting my cost per case for pay-per-click is 3,000 a case, but my cost per case on TV is 2,300. And then let's say my cost per case through the LSA ads is 700. Well, gosh, I'd love to have the 700 all day long. I'm still going to take the 3,000 case because if my average fee is 15,000, still making money. So I, that's why I say, I think a lot of people get pigeonholed and say, well, I'm only going to spend this. I think you just got to take your overall budget and just make sure when you add everything up, what's your overall cost per case. And as long as it's a pretty disproportionate under what your revenue is, you're going to make money. I hear people, oh, I'm just doing this channel or this channel. And I, I think you got to look at it, the bigger picture. And especially what you said earlier is, is all those activities build the brand because people congregate in different locations and, you know, you're just, you're being able to be seeing you know, that, that attention perspective. Well, can I say one other thing? You mentioned lead gen and I, I do want to say this and I, I don't know yeah. if Gary said this or I, I'm not taking credit. I've heard it, but I want to pass it on. Five years from now, I think the law firms that rely on lead gen are going to be hurting. I think you need to build your brand because the problem, I got so many buddies that I've tried over 11 lead gen companies. I've never had long-term success because what happens is they're all trying to get leads and they're, some of them are doing things that aren't ethical. And then I'm responsible because, you know, my States, I can't get a case through a third party that I couldn't on my own. So, but I just think if you pay the money to brand and market, it's almost like you give someone a fish and you feed them for a day. You can show them you can get them for life. If the more I market and brand, the more I'm going to get customers the rest of my life. But when I buy these lead gen and these people don't know me from Adam, they're not going to come back to me when they have future cases. I'm not a big fan of the lead gen. I know they don't like that. Years ago, I think in 15 or 16, uh, I was buying some from a company for like a hundred bucks. Now some of them want thousands and that's not even for a case. So I just think the money you spend branding and marketing would be better served to build who you are. That's kind of what we do. So we, we don't even really use lead gen for the most part. There might be a certain class action or something, but it's, I, I'd rather put our money on branding and marketing. You have the hammer, right? Branding, you know, memorability. You've got uh, one call, that's all. Even in your, your TVs, I've noticed the consistency of saying, you know, small check and time to pay up you know, all these, this intentionality towards brand. And, and I think those taglines go a long way into being rememberable. Well, thank you. We knew we were getting this big verdict and I, for three months, been trying to negotiate to buy We Win because the law firm that had it in their state couldn't use it because some states you can't use brand names and this was one of them. So we, you know, they finally agreed to sell it to us. And that's probably been the best thing we've done in a long time. Because the problem, Isaac's is six letters and everybody misspells it. So over the years, I've always had to buy all the misspellings. And, you know, all the lawyers, make sure you do that. If you use your last name in a domain, get all the misspellings. Because ours was initially Isaac's and Isaac's. And, you know, it's one S, it's I-S-A-A-C-S. Well, no matter how they spell it, they're always going to spell it wrong. And we win is five letters. So it's so easy so now everything is our email, DarylWeWin.com or WeWin.com and rebranding at this late in the stage. And I'm not giving up the hammer brand or even, you know, one call that's all. We still incorporate a lot of it. But I just think a quick, easy name like that is easy to find. Um, that way you don't even have to memorize the phone number anymore. You just WeWin.com and there we are. 
I love WeWin.com for its simplicity and its outcome-driven domain name. Daryl has always been a natural at marketing law firms. To tap into his genius, sign up for his marketing and management summit coming up with a little something for everybody at braintrustlegalgroup.com. Any attorney that wants to get cases, you can be a sole practitioner, you can be in a large firm, you don't have to be on TV, you don't have to have a big advertising budget. We are going to give a lot of tips and things we've used over the years. I have some of the lawyers who are in my mastermind groups, and then I've got some, like I got Ben Crump's going to speak, and Andrew Fickelstein. I mean, he's, he's uh, oh my gosh, he's one of the top attorneys in America, and he spends a fortune on advertisement, and he goes out gets great verdicts, but Gordon's going to be on one of the panels. You mentioned Gordon and Mike Morris is going to speak, but we're basically going to show everybody in two days. One of the talks I'm going to give is how do I get million dollar cases? And so we're just going to show people how to do a lot of things and maybe better their practice because the whole world is shifting and it's kind of our way of giving back. And it's also a networking opportunity. There's going to be some vendors that all of us do business with that, you know, some of them have helped me make my practice very profitable and efficient. Right now for the first 500 tickets, we, we've got a reduced price. And I thought coming on your show, I'm going to give a discount code of, uh, if you type in the word brain trust, you can get $300 off, but it's going to be really neat. And all the speakers, but one are all attorneys. And the one that's not is John who works for Mike Morris. He helped him implement the fireproof program. Not, not Kazel. Yeah, he's amazing. So, but it's, it's, it's really for anybody that wants to get cases that you don't have to be PI. It, a lot of these marketing principles will work if you're trying to go a bankruptcy or a criminal law. There's just a lot of tips that we do that are inner workings with past clients and different things. And it's at the win. Everybody loves that. You know, it's in Vegas, easy to get to. And you're going to get CLE credit. Uh, we've been approved. We're trying to get as many hours as possible, but we're in the process. But some states have already given us, like Kentucky's already approved this thing for over 10 hours. So we're, uh, we're in the process of getting, trying to get all the states where we can get credit for them. So if they come, they'll get CLE credit. We want to show people half the talks are on management, what to do when you get the cases. Like, you know, there's some going to be about intake, but it's really to help the average attorney because there's so many attorneys out there and a lot of them just could use help in marketing and branding. So it's just kind of get them thinking. And it's a great networking opportunity. You know, there's going to be opportunities for happy hours to meet some of the speakers, talk to them. It's just a good way to go hang out with some successful attorneys. What's next for you and Isaacs and Isaacs? Well, I want to get through the summit, but you know, we'll keep doing what we're doing. We're, we love helping people. Um, I really love these mastermind groups because they help me get better and then they help others get better. So it's kind of a win-win but I will tell you, we're going to start a, what they call like a mighty network where we're going to let attorneys all over the country go and have little educational videos and you could ask questions and just talk. Just another way to kind of help. Bigger firms will need to spend more money on marketing in more places to outpace the competition. But even a young practice can grow a following and an audience with nothing more than clever scripts and a cell phone. No matter your firm size, invest in marketing and over time, watch your firm grow. For a $300 discount to Daryl's conference in Las Vegas, visit BrainTrustLegalGroup.com and enter the code BrainTrust. I'd like to thank Daryl Isaacs from Isaacs and Isaacs for sharing his story with us, and I hope you gain some valuable insights from the conversation. 
You've been listening to Personal Injury Mastermind. I'm Chris Dreyer. If you like this episode, leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners. I'll catch you on next week's PIM with another incredible guest and all the strategies you need to master personal injury marketing.